see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. All right, guys, welcome back here for another episode of Rangers Review. Uh, Big week for the Rangers this week. I just wanted to start out by saying that I was right. When we look back on our predictions from a week ago, we said, what are they going to be for the upcoming week? I said 3-1 and actually nailed it. So I'll take that pat on the back as short-lived as it may be. But before we go into anything yet, Stephen, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, Honestly, how many Ranger fans expected us to go 3-1 without Panarin? Against... uh, in a division that's considered the strongest division this this season. I mean, uh, scoring six goals twice against the Devils is great. Um, and then just winning three out of four or three in a row when you are without Panarin, without Truba, Heedle coming back but still not taking face-offs, Shestjorkin out um, with injury. Um it's 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 nice to see the Rangers win a couple of games, but I don't think a lot of fans would have expected this realistically. No, yeah. I mean, I went 3-1 being very optimistic. I made that clear, but I think that when it came to those games, the Devils game stood out to me as, yes, they've been a thorn in our side for a while, but something told me that they were kind of starting to get a groove with this team. Even with Panera now, just a lot of guys starting to contribute more, and that's why I have the header for today's episode, especially talking about Kreider and how on fire he's been. So we'll deep dive his play along with plenty of others' plays. But just in a nutshell for everyone that's just chiming in, when we look at the games individually, click starting off with game, uh, game 20 for the Rangers against the Sabres, all of the Eichel talk going in hand. Um, Eichel was pretty much non-existent that game. As we know, the Rangers went 3-2. Uh, Lafreniere scores another goal, and at that point, he was definitely starting to get on a hot streak. Um, that streak has since ended, but it's still nice to see that he's definitely picking up the play and looking like that first overall pick that some people were worried about with him being uh, pretty much pointless for a bit to start out the season. So that was great to see his performance there. What a beautiful goal. And then you also have Buchnevich with a goal and assist. He has been stellar. And I must say, we talked about in a previous episode how you asked me if Panarin would still be the point leader or if Buchnevich would catch up, if someone would. And I said that Panarin would by the time he gets back. And I'm wrong. Because Buchnevich now leads the team in points. So I will say that that's awesome for him. He's been consistent. His two-way game has definitely impressed me. um, Probably more than anything this season as he's continued to grow as a young player. But then Kreider with a goal. And he's definitely the big topic of discussion. The Rangers overall had a very strong game winning 3-2 against the Sabres. But then getting on to game 21, they have a blowout one against the Devils. But if you would have asked me 10 minutes into that first period, they had any chance of doing what they did. I would have said, you're joking. There's absolutely no way. The Rangers had a very slow start to the game. Jack Hughes scores, surprise, surprise, to get things open. But then the floodgates really open. Kreider scores in three different ways. Three straight goals for another hat-trick. His second hat-trick in an eight-day span, I believe two over over a five-game span. Remarkable what Kreider has been doing. In my mind, I know you know this i've been preaching him as he definitely needs to be the next captain for this team personally i've been saying this for six to 12 months now i know a lot of people are on the mika train in the offseason and don't get me wrong i thought mika would be a great option too but when you look at leadership and you look at qualities yes he has his inconsistencies but you don't have to be the best player on the team in order to be captain and Kreider, in my mind between his utilization how much of a veteran he has been in both playoff and regular season experience just makes a lot of sense so to see him hot and scoring the fashion that he does was fantastic uh, Stroman that game had to assist as well he's a great topic that we'll be getting into and Igor did get hurt in that game as we know looked brutal uh, when he first got hurt it really looked like that was either something with his back something with his groin something with his leg it was not looking good he couldn't put any weight on his leg as we know but luckily shortly after that the next day it was reported that he is day-to-day with I believe a mild groin strain so luckily it doesn't look as serious as what it initially sold us when we saw him hurt. Um, it was definitely a big scare. And as soon as all these guys were starting to get healthy between Kako back in the lineup now, Heedle and then Truba getting closer and closer at this point to see Igor hurt, I was like, of course. So this is absolutely our luck. And I felt terrible. I was really worried about Igor, but 
it looks like that he'll be back sooner than later. Um, but then getting on to the second to last game was against the Devils again, and the Rangers blow them out 6-3 to three this time, so 12 goals in two games against the rivals. Gauthier had two assists, but only had around 10 minutes played because that's what happens when you're stuck in the Quinbin right. Then when you look at others, uh, Strom had two goals on the game, a strong eye for him. Foxy, a beautiful end-to-end goal to get things started, I believe, on the power play, and he also had an assist, one goal, one assist, and then Hayek had his second career goal. He now has two career goals, both against the Devils, so take that as you will, and he had a lot of goal and assists. He's been looking great, in my opinion, and Kaka with that beautiful assist. I know that you'll want to touch on plenty in a second from that take uh, takeaway to set up, and that was just awesome. And then getting on to last night's game at the time of recording this, everything took a turn for the worse. Um, the Rangers now with Truba back in the lineup, Really, a couple weeks earlier than expected because he broke his thumb, as we know. There was an expectation he'd be gone at least a month to six weeks. He comes back in just around th- three weeks, not even fully, and he's back in the lineup. But the Rangers, Mika Zibanejad breaks his slump. He scores early on the power play within the first two minutes against the Penguins. But then everything just completely collapsed defensively for the Rangers, as we've seen in other games. But this held true through the majority of the game. And a lot of guys did not stand out well. Lindgren definitely had a rough game. Truba didn't look great. I know it was his first game back. Um, But there was a lot of defensive woes, both offensively with the offense and the defense. So I'm going to want to know your thoughts. The Rangers lose 5-1. Georgiev gave up three goals on six shots. They bring in Keith Kincaid. He actually looked really solid. If it wasn't for Kincaid, I thought that game would have been upwards of 7-1 at least. Um, Yeah, Kincaid definitely stood on his head when needed. And Georgiev had another rough outing, even with the defensive woes. So what's your initial thoughts on those games? I know that you want to touch on Strom, Kako, and all of them. And the latest game for the Rangers ending their three-game winning streak. Um, yeah, like I said, you know, I don't think a lot of people expected us to have a three-game winning streak uh, this week. Um, but yeah, the games against the Devils, um, I think the Rangers came out, came out flying. And something I've noticed this, this season in particular, um, if the Rangers get on the board early, they usually get sort of like a push, like someone's giving them a push and they... They, they tend to play with a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they concede a goal, then it completely switches momentum. And we saw that yesterday. They scored three goals. I think it felt like in the span of two minutes. Um, and I know there's a lot of uh, criticism of Georgiev. And um, yeah, he conceded three goals on six shots, which is bad. But I've seen Shostjorkin give up two goals on two shots in the final of the World Juniors. And, and he turned out fine. Um, looking at those goals, to be honest, um, yes, I wish he would have gotten the um, the, the Kapanen shot on the breakaway. You expect a goalie to at least get something on a breakaway, and I think that's Georgiev's biggest weakness. Um, one-on-ones where he just doesn't really engage early, and um, yeah, the other two goals, like the first goal, there's three players in between him and the puck. I don't really blame a goalie for that. I mean, he's being screened by three different players. And then the third goal with Crosby is very similar to the Lafreniere goal against the Devils, to be honest, where uh, it's a snipe diagonal uh, over the over the glove. When Lafreniere scored that goal, we as Ranger fans were like, oh, what a great goal, what a great snipe, this and that. And then Crosby scores a similar goal. And we're all, all Georgiev should have had it. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe one out of those three he should have had. But the biggest issue for me yesterday is that Keith Kincaid was not the starting goalie. You have a back-to-back. Why is he not playing? That's right. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the Colorado Avalanche have their issues in goal as well. And they have a back-to-back. And they are not afraid to play the goalie, I think his name is Hunter Liska. I don't think anyone has ever heard of him. They're confident enough to play him. Um, if, if, If your backup goes down and you have your starting goalie, I understand you want to play that goalie in both back to back games. You know, you trust your starting goalie to pull that out of the hat. But when you have two backups, there's no reason to play your backup twice. It was just, it was a bad decision. And it's not like Keith Kincaid is some AHL goalie or some junior goalie that has no experience. He has a .9905 save percentage in the NHL. He may not be a superstar goalie, but he's good enough to play the second game on a back-to-back. So that was my biggest issue yesterday. Um, Losing to the Penguins in itself is not really an issue to me. Um, 
So yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't really be bothered by that. Whether you lose three one or five one, it's the same thing. Um, so with that out of the way, the negative stuff out of the way, let's focus on the three games earlier this week. The Sabres game where Butch Nevis, which was absolutely on fire, um, should have had two goals, but the second one bounced off of Lafreniere's shin. So good for him. You know, ugly goals count as well. Uh, and Lafreniere, I think he had um, five points in four games. He had a, um, a two-point game against uh, the second game against the Devils. Yep. So he's finally getting those points in. And a lot of fans are saying he's finally getting used to, you know, being back on the ice and, and he hasn't played for eight months. But if you look at the lines and the way he's been used, it's maybe it's just a coincidence, but I think there's a little bit more to it that his production starts to pick up the moment he plays on the same line for five games in a row. He's put on the Zibanejad line with Bojnevich and he plays with them for five straight games. There's no demoting. There's no shuffling the lines and him being put on the line with two different players he has no chemistry with. No, he's being put on a line and Quinn for once stuck with that line for five games. And for some reason, uh, Lafreniere has five points in four games in that span. Yesterday, he didn't score, although I think he was essential on that Zibanejad goal because if Lafreniere doesn't join the rush, it's a lot harder for Zibanejad to convince the goalie he's going to shoot. So he did definitely impact that goal, even though he didn't get an assist. But then he gets demoted to the third line and Hilo gets bumped up to the second line to play on the wing. It just... It made no sense. I mean, allow players to have a, a mediocre game without without demoting them immediately. I'm I'm so over the whole line changes in the middle of a game. It just it annoys me. But Lafreniere had a really good week, um, and of course, Capo Caco back in the lineup is a really big positive for the Rangers. Um, had that huge takeaway that led to the Strom goal against the Devils. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, I think he's he's come back from COVID. He actually had COVID. It wasn't a false a false positive. He actually battled COVID for a week and a half, and he comes back into the lineup, and it's it looks like he hasn't missed a beat. It's amazing. And yesterday, even though he wasn't as noticeable as other games, he did have two takeaways, bringing his total to 16 in 16 games. His takeaway per 60 is now the highest in the league, and it's 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 just amazing. It's amazing to watch this guy play and just uh, uh, recover the puck, like force turnovers by by being present on the ice. And this is the type of Kako, this is the Kako Kako that the Rangers saw in his draft year. This is the Kako that they scouted. He's playing with the confidence that he had when he was back in Finland. And I think if if he keeps this up for a couple more games, the goals will come. Uh, but the underlying numbers for him look really good, and I'm really happy with that. Um, and then, yeah, we already touched on Kreider, two hat-tricks in back-to-back road games, which was the first time since Tony Granado in, I think, 1989. Um, but Ryan Strom, I just want to quickly touch on Ryan Strom because he's getting a lot of shit from Ranger fans. But um, every year it seems like Ryan Strom is doing something and Ranger fans have one goal, and that is to find excuses as to why he's he's putting up certain numbers. Like 2018-19, we acquire him in a trade for Ryan Spooner, and he sets a career high in goals with 18 in 63 games played, playing with Jesper Fast and Vlad Nemesnikov mostly. That's that's pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, but that, that is. Then there was all this talk about yes, but his shooting percentage is so high, he's not going to be able to keep that up, and which is in itself in a vacuum a valid a valid point. But then the following season, he plays with Panarin, and he puts up fifty plus points. But also Panarin puts up career highs in goals and assists, playing with Strom in only sixty nine games. Mm-hmm. So it's not it. I feel that there's more to it than just. Panarin making Strom better. Strom had a positive impact on Panarin as well. Panarin putting up career highs in only 69 games played, that's huge. And then this season, even though it's a small sample size, Panarin goes down, Kreider is bumped up to Strom's line, and he scores nine goals in six games being paired with Strom after the first 16 games where it didn't really click. Um, So if you look at all those, if you look at those three things in a vacuum, you can make excuses for all three. But if you look at it combined, and you look at Ryan Strom's tenure as a Ranger, 
we should just be happy with what he's providing. He's not being paid to be a top line center. He's not making nine million a year. He his first season, his first two seasons, he was on three point one, and this season and next season he's on four point five. And for the money he gets paid, he delivers more than we should than we could expect, to be honest. So. Strom is a positive impact on this team. And I think that needs to be said because I'm getting a little bit tired of all the Strom criticism on Twitter and on other social media. Because, yeah, he's not a perfect player, but he's not paid to be. He's not expected to be a perfect player. If he was making $8 million, $9 million a year, then yes, then the criticism is warranted. Mika Zibanejad having an off year just highlights how shallow this team is down the middle. But if Zibanejad's having a good year and Strom is the second center behind him, he's perfectly capable of filling that role. Um, anyway, that was my piece on Strom. Um, other than that, you know, Truba's back from injury. Uh, Miller's back from the COVID list. Um, yeah, I, I'm quite happy with what happened the last week. Um, some minor issues like Gauthier still having a low time on ice, mm-hmm. even though he was, I think the game where he only had nine minutes or something and had two assists. Yeah. Exa- my point. Exactly. Yeah. I think he spent time in the locker room uh, being, uh, being checked up by Jim Ramsey because something happened. Oh, okay. but the fact that people brought this up online is, I mean, it doesn't come out of the blue that people bring this up because it has happened in previous games where Quinn literally said, I should have played Julian Gauthier more. But Gauthier getting two assists in that one game with the Hedl goal being like 90% his work. I mean, he caused a turnover off the faceoff in the offensive zone, skates around the net, passes it to Hedl, who then makes a great move and scores, but that play was all Julian Gauthier. So he's finally getting into that groove as well. Um, and then we saw um, some surprising decisions by David Quinn. Uh, when Kako came back, you have to scratch someone. And um, it turns out that it was Colin Blackwell at first, I think. Was Colin no, Blackwell no, no. It was, I believe it was um, – it was why – am I, why am I blinking right now? PDG, <laughs> and then it was Blackwell last night. Okay, so yeah, the first, so the game on Saturday, um, Di Giuseppe was scratched, and then yesterday was Blackwell. Um, Personally, if I would have to choose between players on the bottom six who to scratch, I would have scratched Brendan Lemieux, because I don't think he brings what fans think he brings. Uh, He has this reputation of being a gritty player, a tough guy that brings some physicality to the game. But I haven't seen it in in almost a year from Lemieux. I mean, he's just out there skating around. He he never he's never engaged in the play. When he has the puck, he dumps it not even into the corner. He dumps it straight at the opposition goalie. It's it's so frustrating to watch. And the only fight he has was after the game was over against the Bruins, which is so it's such a waste of time. I, I mean, know. Yeah, we we already went over that. You're right. Yeah, we, we touched on that already. And. You know, it's not it's not that I think Brandon Lemieux is not capable of playing in the NHL. I just think out of those players, out of Rooney, Blackwell, Di Giuseppe, Lemieux, I think the other three have played better than Lemieux lately. It's not it's not that he's bad. It's just that he's not better than the other three. Yeah, uh, and, nor- and that's normally a good problem to have when you have numerous guys at least performing and one sticks out, then you're like, okay, but... I understand the frustration at times with Quinn where it's like, okay, initially we thought Blackwell was going to be scratched on the Saturday game. And then it ended up being PDG. So we're like, mm-hmm. okay, um, so PDG gets scratched and then Rangers end up winning that game. Now, do I think that if Blackwell played Sunday when he was scratched that the Rangers would have won? I don't necessarily think that, but you you do have to wonder that just scratching him almost for the sake of scratching him. I know Quinn hasn't loved his play, but... At the end of the guy, at the end of the day, this is like PDG, a guy who came in on what around a 750k contract. That little expectations, you know, even cracking the roster wasn't a certain thing to start the year. Mm-hmm. He comes in, he plays above expectations, is thriving alongside far better players than himself in the top six. So he's like, oh, let's continue it. But as soon as it dies out, then you already have to start toying things around. I'm like. Give these guys some breathing room. That, that's all I, I really have to say. Black was only been playing a handful of games. 
Like, if anything, if we're basing things off of point production, per se, then PDG should have been benched a long time ago. Shortly after Heedle got hurt, he did nothing, point-wise. I'm not saying he was playing bad. He was in a different situation. He was playing with Howden. One of some other guys centering him. But he went from being on, like, a point streak of, like, four games or so with Heedle to then as soon as he got hurt, nothing. You All you heard was crickets with him for the next mm-hmm. how many games until Heedle returned. So I, I do get frustrated by that personally as well. Um, I'm not going to just bash Quinn this entire time. You know, I'm happy for I'm happy that him and the Rangers are definitely trending in an upward direction, that they're actually winning games without Panera. Give credit where credit is due. That's unbelievably important because the Rangers, for a bit, were not doing anything without Breadman. So I'm very happy to see that. I'm very happy to see Strom performing, as you alluded to as well. And people do need to give credit to Strom where credit is due. Uh, Strom is a guy that can definitely leave you frustrated. He started off this season really poor we 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 were joking about how like come on why can't you even bury these empty nets when you get numerous ones in a game right and there was a big ongoing problem with him with Panarin but I it almost felt to an extent that as we were talking about the whole Rangers team to start the year were just not on the same p- pace they weren't on the same level and not all the same guys are Zibanejad scored yesterday yeah but he still hasn't been the Zibanejad that we have been hoping for same thing with some other players in this lineup so when Panarin even though he was around a point per game plus he wasn't looking like the bread man from last season to start the year it took a couple games to really get him a routine and now to have these guys stepping up between Strom, Kreider etc and now with Kako back in the lineup and I think you've said it already plenty how Kako's just looking tremendous I think he's easily probably the most overlooked guy in this roster right now um what he's doing defensively is tremendous and i know that people are giving grapes so he only has a handful of points i'm like think about other guys are in similar positions him you know one of your favorite guys that isn't a ranger right barkov look at what he did early in his career i know that through i believe his second season or so he did he started off slow in point production a lot of guys have Uh, mark shifley is another example as well that really took his time i know that these are centermen i'm just using examples here but especially more defensively sound guys like barkov and the fellow finn he had to take his time and he's one of the best two-way centers in the game now kako's definitely on pace in my mind to being one of the best two-way forwards in the game and once that scoring continues to go we'll be great it's not just barkov there are others too i mean i i spent some time looking it up uh like in their in their D plus two season, so the second season after being drafted. Yeah. After six games, Pierre-Luc Dubois had two goals, two assists, same as Kako. Barkov had two goals, one assist. Kotkaniemi, two goals, one assist. Jordan Stahl, one goal, one assist. <coughs> uh, Malkin, James Van Riemsdyk, Bobby Ryan didn't even play in the NHL in their D plus two season. So maybe we should just be a little bit more patient when it comes to production and just look at the things that are going well. Um, and regarding Malkin from Reamsdijk and Ryan, um, you cannot really compare their rookie seasons to Kako's rookie season because Kako's rookie season was at age, age 18 and these three had their rookie season at age 20. That's, that's two years later. That's just, that's a weird comparison. Oh, and, and the circumstances were different too. Like and the circumstances else. were different, but I don't, I don't really want to use the whole COVID thing as an excuse. I don't oh, think. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm saying in how long he played straight. That's what I'm focusing on in particular. Okay. Kaka yeah, literally they, went like a year straight, give or take, playing hockey. Yeah. And and he had all the you know transatlantic flights that tire you out. I mean, I do those transatlantic flights, and I always need two days to recover. Uh, so. I'm pretty sure it affects everyone. And Eric Carlson actually mentioned it when they had the games in Stockholm, mm-hmm. how the entire team was exhausted when they came back to Ottawa and had to play uh, an NHL game back home again. So of course, Why um, wouldn't you be? Especially if you're doing a long flight like that. It, t- it takes a lot out of you by doing nothing, believe it or not. But, you know, when it comes to young players, I like to focus on the positives and and then just expect, and expect the other things to come. And when you look at Kako... Um, his, um, you know, you know how you know how takeaways uh, are calculated, right? Uh, what do you mean by calculated? I, I know, I know when you look up giveaways, takeaways, and the ratio. I know how all that works. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, like his first game back with Kako, uh, he is he is right around the same type of uh, takeaways per sixty number as Mark Stone, who. Is, we all know it's one of the best two-way players in the game. Exactly. Um, I think I think Mark Stones is at three point sixty-three per sixty. Kako's is three point ninety-one per sixty. So Kako has more, take, more takeaways per sixty minutes 
um, than Mark Stone. And the reason I use per 60 is because that's a game. It, 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 it's yeah. Uh, well that too, but it also takes ice time into, into, into account. Someone who's on the ice 17 minutes a game has more opportunities to, to have takeaways than someone who only plays nine minutes. That's fair. So it's even more impressive when you look at what he's been doing because his ice time has been very um, up and down throughout the year. It has been, well, lately it's been very consistent, but yeah, but to start uh, the year it wasn't. But looking at those takeaways, and it's not just that; it's also the other stuff he does. There, there was a video that Rangers on MSG tweeted where he's around the boards against the Devils. He takes away the puck, yeah. and and he's just skating back and forth, and they cannot get him off the puck, almost Philip Forsberg like. And this is, and I said this before, this is the Capo Kako that I remember from his days in Finland. This is the confident Kako that just is is so strong on the puck that you need almost two players to 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 take the puck away from him. That was a play where he was skating towards uh, Blackwood in net, and one of the defensemen I cannot remember who it was. One of the Devils' defensemen was holding him and it didn't even slow him down. He drew the penalty, but the hold barely slowed him down. Yeah, he's so strong on the puck, and if those little things are already part of his game, which wasn't the case last season, then those points will come. And I know that that a lot of fans are like, oh, he only has two goals and two assists, but there's so much more to look at. And if you if you focus on him, if you, if you zo- uh, uh, zoom in on him during a game, you see the impact he has. And one of the takeaways that led to the Strom goal is a perfect example. You know, he 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 tracks the puck, he sticks out his, his stick, and, and it causes a turnover that leads straight to a goal. Uh, he did this a couple of weeks ago against the Capitals, which I still think is his best game of the season. The first game, the Rangers wore their reverse retro jerseys. Um, he had, I think, five breakaways. He had uh, three takeaways, one of them coming out of the box where he immediately strips the puck and causes a, 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 a transition the other way. I'm just really happy with what I'm seeing of Kako, and I hope the points will come. But so far, comparing Kako to other players in their second full season in the NHL, I think he's he's right up there with what Barkov did at the time. They had to go through a similar transition, you know, transitioning from life in Finland to life in North America, uh, different style of hockey. Um, so I think Kako will be fine. And he's only 20 years old. Um, I'm just happy that finally... You know, the, the young kids are showing something. Gautier getting his assists. Miller has been a revelation on defense. Kako and Lafreniere are now finally comfortable and getting into their game. The only thing we need now is our, our star players to get going. We've had that with Kreider. Uh, Panarin's is, is on a leave of absence, so we'd have to wait for him. But mm-hmm. if the only thing we're missing now is Zibanejad. If Zibanejad can get back to to that that form that he was in last season or at least close to it then this team can can surprise a lot of people and we're going to need it because the next 17 games uh out of the next 17 games 15 of them are against teams ranked higher than us yeah so we're going to we we'll have a tough schedule ahead of us in the next 4 to 5 weeks um Basically so we close out the season uh almost closing out the season yes so we need Zibanejad to to really come back to his 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 old form and, and hopefully get Panarin back soon, which causes another issue because uh, yep. the return of Panarin paired with uh, and it's this is basically Rooney and Blackwell establishing themselves as as role players on the team. You know when Kako and Panarin were not in the lineup, it wasn't a problem because you know you have spots for them without having to scratch another another player. Now Kako is back, and you have to scratch Giuseppe or Blackwell. Next week, hopefully Panarin is back. You have to scratch two of them. Uh, who's it going to be? And you brought up a lack of production. If you go by lack of production, then ha- that has to be Brett Howden, right? Yeah, I mean you. Yeah, you're right. If we are basing it off of production, you're absolutely correct. But you know, we're not we're not basing it on just production with Howden. Remember that his defensive game. You know, you know what Quinn's going to say. We know this. But the same thing goes for someone like Kevin Rooney. Kevin Rooney plays a solid game on the third line with Hedl now taking some faceoffs for him. He's strong on the penalty kill. Uh, Blackwell had some really good games. um, You know, getting some vital assists on Lafreniere's first goal and Miller's first goal. Um, 
had the goal on Lafreniere's first assist, I think, as well. Yep. Yeah. So, um, oh, yeah, wait, he's actually, been... no, was that no? He assisted Strom, I think. Oh, then yeah, and then his second assist was the was the Blackwell goal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Blackwell has been has been good. I don't think he's been good enough to uh, protect him for the expansion draft, like some people are uh, suggesting now. Because um, I don't think Blackwell is is someone worth the the expansion or the protection slot for the expansion draft. Oh yeah, I mean, right now I agree, no doubt. But even before, you know, when he was when he was on his point streak, even then I said, yeah, I, I wouldn't protect him because he's a, a 27 year old journeyman turning 28 this month. Um, he's on his fifth organization, a fourth organization in five years. Those players, unless they make like a really big leap, like Anton Strollman, are not really worth protecting in an expansion draft. Yeah, and uh, I want I want to add though too how you know expansion is something that we'll be talking about further, especially as we get towards the end of the season and into that time, because that's going to be uh, that's going to take up a lot of time and focus, especially as the yeah. season winds down. So I'm looking forward to talking about that, but. I want to t- touch on a little bit before we kind of wrap up and what is next for their week ahead. Um, again, some more on Kreider because uh, having him titled here, um, you know, I'm going to have it for the uh, this going to be probably, you know, um, Kreider on fire, something along those lines because this was a huge week for him and it definitely should not go overlooked. Uh, if you look at his pace right now in 23 games, he has 13 goals, total 16 points, only three assists. It hasn't been one uh, really spread the apples this year. But that's okay. I know that Kreider has been a very streaky goal scorer in his career. And the only thing that I ask out of him personally is that if we're going to not necessarily score every game, which we all know that's never going to happen, at least don't have it where you're really hot and then really cold. I think that's something that has been an issue with Kreider in the past. So if we get consistency out of him, which will be key. He's on pace for upwards of 30-goal season right now in a 56-game year. That is nothing to slouch at, especially with Panarin out. So I just want to give another huge credit to Kreider because having two hat-tricks in a short period of time is tremendous. The way he's doing them is great. As we talk about how happy we are with how the power plays finally being utilized to an extent, with having that guy in front and actually moving the puck around, Kreider's been great both 5-on-5 five five and special teams. So I'm very happy for him. I hope that this consistency continues. Now he's won a couple games without a goal, but I'm hoping that this week he at least has a couple and then that will be a good pace going forward. Lafreniere, again, he's going to be interesting with his utilization, especially when Panarin back is back because it doesn't look like it's going to be too long from now. Again, we don't have an exact timetable, but it doesn't look like it's going to be that far off. So I'm curious if Lafreniere is in, is in fact going to stay on the top line or if he's going to end up being bumped to the third line because then you're going to move Kreider back with Zbanejad and Buchnevich. You know, what are you going to do there? There's a lot of question marks into how the lineup is going to be constructed once Panarin is back. It's a good problem to have, but you just hope it doesn't mess with some chemistry and with the younger guys, especially actually starting to find their groove. Um, because as much as Zibanejad and Howden haven't necessarily been putting up the points offensively, I will give them the benefit of the doubt here in plenty of games that we've seen this season where the Rangers have looked great defensively, not so much in their last game at the time recording this, but a defensive structure from this team has been solid with the offensive core group including Howden on the penalty kill. Definitely, he brings a speed to that element as well. And Zibanejad. Zibanejad's been huge on the penalty kill. And just with his overall, um, he's had some great takeaways. I know, again, the offense, you need more from him. It's been concerning. I think Zibanejad is the biggest X factor if the Rangers actually push to gain closer to a playoff spot this season or if they really start to reel back and end up around you know five-plus games out. I think he is the biggest key factor outside the goaltending situation. And Georgiev, I wanted to know your quick stance on him before we go forward because he's been very shaky this season, to put it lightly. He didn't have a terrible outing in the first, second game of the back-to-back games against the Devils um, where he only gave up a three. He gave up three goals in around 27 shots, I believe. But three goals and seven shots, even with how poor the defense was, and how inconsistent he's been throughout the season. There's a clear difference between him and Igor. There's no doubt in that. Igor is definitely the number one on this club. So what is your initial stance on Georgiev? And do you feel that the Rangers might regret in the end not trading him away last season when his stock was so high at a point? Um, I think Georgiev is a good backup, a fringe starter in the NHL. I agree. I think the same goes for Keith Kincaid, to be honest. I think they're on, on the same level. Um, they're good enough to help your team through a couple of weeks while your starter is out. Um, are you comfortable enough to have him as a starter for an entire season? I don't know. 
but Georgiev is how old is he? 24, 25? Yeah, he's he's still in his early twenties. Still relatively young for a goalie, you know. Um, he's only been playing in the NHL for three years. He only came over in 2018, I think, or 2017. Um, from TPS. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Played for the same team as Kako. Uh, yep. Funny. I knew you were going to say that. That was Wayne. <laughs> when, I, when I said TPS, I'm like, oh, I, have to, I have to bring this up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And actually, we practiced together during the offseason back in Finland. Yep. Uh, uh, so I, I think Georgiev is a good backup goalie with maybe some potential still to be a starter in the league, same as Antti Ranta and Kem Talbot had at, at one point as uh, a Rangers backup. Um, I think we just shouldn't expect Georgiev to be the same as Igor Shestjorkin. And why why this coaching staff decided to go with uh with alternating the goalies to start the season i still don't understand because i don't think anyone who has seen these two goalies in the last few years would would argue that they are on the same level or they are even close shestjorkin is a legitimate starter in the nhl and uh georgiev just is 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 an ideal backup yeah, he gets paid a little bit too much for backup, but you can afford it while, while your starter is still on an entry-level deal, I guess. Um, regarding the trading of Georgiev, um, if if Gordon didn't get the offer he wanted, he wasn't going to trade him. Oh, wasn't absolutely, gonna... yeah. Um, and, you know, I, Gordon is a good GM. I'm, I'm really happy with what Gordon has done uh, since he joined the Rangers, since he took over from Glenn Sather in 2015. Uh, he's been here for six years now. He's orchestrated this rebuild and I think he's done a great job and if we get an offer for Georgiev this summer that he is happy with he will take it but he's not going to sell low or have another GM take him you know take 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 him to the, to the cleaners and uh, try to get a bargain uh, Gordon is just not that that type of GM I would say the only trade only two trades he's made that are questionable or or reason to have a debate are the Eric Stahl trade and the Ryan McDonough trade with JT Miller. Although we still don't know how Brett Howden and Libra Hayek turn out. So um, on the other, on the other end, uh, this is something I wanted to bring up, by the way, one of the best trades. And I think this is even a better trade than the Zibanejad trade. I think Jeff Gordon's best trade as a Rangers general manager was the Rick Nash trade three years ago. Oh um, yeah! Oh my! As soon as that happened, I was ecstatic. I because, people did, a lot of people didn't seem to understand just how valuable that will be. I'll let you break it down, but yeah, no, it's been a win since so, day one. Rick Nash at the time I think was thirty four years old or almost thirty four. He only played eleven games after he was traded for the Boston Bruins. I think he was injured for the, for, for the playoffs. He didn't play in the playoffs. Yeah, and that led to his retirement because of his concussion and, issues. And he retired, so he's been retired for three years. We received Matt Bolesky, who we can skip, a first-round pick, which we'll get to in a minute, Ryan Spooner, which we then flipped for Ryan Strom, brilliant, um, and uh, Ryan Lindgren. Yeah, I heard, uh, I heard that guy's kind of good. I, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> um, that first-round pick was paired with a second to trade up to get K. Andre Miller. So out of the Rick Nash trade, we basically got, for this season, Ryan Strom, Ryan Lindgren, and K. Andre Miller – who have combined for 32 points in, in after 23 games in the season. That's not bad for a player that was going to retire six weeks after after you traded him. Yeah, I mean, granted, the Rangers did lock out in that situation. They, they never wanted a situation where Nash didn't play well, but they did lock out in the sense of truly winning that from the get-go. Uh, Nash only had a couple games. So weird seeing him in Boston uniform too. Mm-hmm. I just, ugh, I can't get over that honestly. But it was short lived. As we know, he unfortunately had the concussion issues that led to his retirement. But you know, Lindgren, I was excited about from the get go. His highlights, all I saw, saw was this guy just throwing his body around um, in college, and I was like, oh, okay, this he looks interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to bring. Definitely bring some grit to this uh, defense, which at the time still didn't have much. I'm um, leading into McDonough's departure. Uh, but to see him and Keandre as well, smart, smart move by Rangers. And I agree that was probably their biggest trade outside of Zibanejad. Um, uh, one could argue that maybe it isn't as big as Zibanejad, but I understand your stance on it, especially because of what's to come with both of them. Lindgren's still very young. 
Keandre is just it's his just his rookie year and he looks like that he very well can be a top 10 top 15 defenseman over these next mm-hmm. couple years um he again him and Lindgren it's kind of funny they didn't have a good game yesterday both of them had some defensive errors Lindgren definitely stood out a little bit more in my opinion at times but all in all when you're looking at the season as a whole and what they've done it's very exciting to see uh how much the Rangers have benefited from a deal that maybe at the time wasn't looking strong in the sense of just so much uncertainty. You know, you need to make sure that one, you're drafting right and you develop the guys right. Just because you draft a star player or acquire one that's still a prospect doesn't mean that they're going to pan out. They could pan out in another organization, but there's no guarantee that they're going to pan out with you. So I think the Rangers approach there was tremendous. And I I also think with saying that, is there anything that you would like to add before we kind of wrap up and get on to next week's schedule? Um. I, uh, you mentioned developing prospects. Um, one thing I want to touch on here is um, because we, we've seen Oliver Wallstrom play really well for the Islanders, right? This season. Yes. You know? he, he has actually played very well for them in an increased role. Yep. Really nice goals. And, and Joel Faraby, who was drafted um, in that same draft, I think 15th or 16th overall by the Flyers. My buddy so, played in the same tournament, tournament in Boston with him a couple of years ago. And he always jokes. He's like, you know, we weren't that far off. <laughs> like joking, I say. Yeah, like, like, exactly. You weren't far off. You were like a few a few yards away. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Rangers drafted Vitaly Kravtsov, and I'm I'm just gonna come out and say it. I think you know, the Rangers have been getting a lot of flack for not drafting the right players. I think the bigger issue for the Rangers is developing the players it doesn't matter as much who you draft in my opinion it matters how you develop them 100 percent. it cannot be a coincidence that every third and fourth round pick that the tampa bay lightning are drafting magically develop and uh, when they play with the syracuse crunch you have uh uh olivier uh gourd uh tyler johnson who was undrafted but um uh, andre palat braden point anthony sorelli um, it's it's not a coincidence that all these players develop in the same environment. So I've been thinking about this the last couple of weeks, and I'm wondering if Joel Farabee would have had the same impact on the Rangers had he been part of the Rangers organization for the last three years. No. And probably not. And I wonder if, had they left Vitaly Kravtsov in Russia for three, four years, would he have developed a different way i think so i think i think that would have been the better the better option anyway um, i will say this however though just to counter that um Kratsov luckily is in a great place right now and i think looking back even though that things were uh, a little delayed or a little um overwhelming at first with his arrival in the ahl because he wasn't laying up the lamp like everyone expected even though they shouldn't necessarily expect that a guy that hasn't been necessarily a full point per game uh, playing in the KHL up to that point, right? He was putting up strong numbers in the VHL, but he was still getting himself known and was on mm. pace for his age, but still wasn't anything crazy. Um, so I think him yeah. having that experience now, and I know that you like to say that there, it, is, it isn't as much of a factor with North American ice and everything. I get it. But at least having him get that taste already, like it isn't completely foreign to him, in my mind mm. will benefit him as he arrives with the Rangers at some point this season. When he comes over this year, it will be the second time he makes that, that transition. Yes. So the shock wouldn't be as, as big as it was the first time. Yes. Correct. But um, I think what the Rangers need to worry about is making sure that they have the right environment to develop these prospects. Um, If you look at the most successful prospects, right? It's, it's usually the guys who developed either in Europe or uh, like Buchnevich and Shestorkin, or in college, like Adam Fox, Ryan Lindgren, um, uh, Chris Kreider, uh, yep. Kevin Hayes, um, uh, Ryan McDonough, uh, Brady Shea played a year in Hartford, but um, was playing in college for three full seasons after being drafted. So they, they do benefit from that whole college route a lot. And um, Carl Haglin is a great example of that as well. Played four full seasons in Michigan. Yep. And Made, made, made the jump from the AHL to the NHL after like a month. And it's just, it's great to see. I just wish that Hartford was a little bit more successful in developing their prospects as well, because I feel that's lacking a little bit. I don't have the answer for it. I'm just observing and this is my opinion. So 
Um, but man, I would love to. I would love to be, uh, you know, in the locker room at the Syracuse Crunch to see what's going on there, just to <laughs> see what's happening. You know? Yeah, be be a little spy there. Actually, write some notes. Yeah, down. Be like, all right, we'll bring this over. Just be a fly on the wall and 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 try to try to learn from it. And there are some small things. And this is the last thing I'll say before we wrap it up. Sure. There are some really small things that other organizations are doing that I'm a little bit jealous of. The Washington Capitals riot, uh, hired Michael Pekka to help yep. Evgeny Kuznetsov on faceoffs. I love that. I would love if there was some more individual hires like that. How have the Rangers not? not looked at this as a possibility how the Rangers I think are 30th or 31st in the league in face-off wins this season or win percentage. it's crazy how have we not addressed this um do we not have any former players that were great on face-offs that can that can help out our young players I wonder what Brian Boyle's up to right about now (laughs) that's off said it himself you know Michael Pekka told him he he, Michael Pekka taught him how to stand for a face-off and Kuznetsov's like, I've been doing it wrong all these years. Just just the way you stand, you know, the way your body is positioned ha- can already make an impact on your on your win percentage on, on the on the dot. So I don't know, maybe 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 the Rangers should reach out to Brian Boyle or Dominic Moore or I don't know, find someone. Craig McTavish was pretty good at it, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think I again I love that idea. I'm glad that you brought up Pekka too. He's someone that is definitely uh, an interesting pick for the Capitals. And it's like, all right, if you're going to bring him in specifically for one player, if he's willing, why not? You know, so it's going to be interesting if that kind of opens the floodgates a little bit for opposing teams in the NHL. You know, more of a wide variety where maybe the majority at some point over the next year or two, a couple of years or more in a position where they're doing individual hires to really help the yep. lack of production for a player and something that maybe they've been struggling with their entire life. Maybe a guy has always been a natural centerman, but he's always struggled on faceoffs, but they love him there because they know how he utilizes the center position outside of faceoffs. Everything that comes with his two-way game, whatever it may be, just being productive. But I think that's a great point. I would love and it if the Rangers went down a similar route like that. It's it's, it's other teams too. The Maple Leafs hired Nick and Tropov, who's... Yep, so I remember him. To help help European players transition to life in Toronto, mm-hmm. I, I do think the Toronto Maple Leafs have a big advantage that their AHL team is playing in the same city. Oh, of course. Um, I mean, it, 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 it would it would be cool to have like the AHL affiliate play in New York City. You know, yeah, it's a lot easier for for players. You you're, you're much closer to the team, uh, but I doubt the that uh, the Wolfpack will leave Hartford anytime soon, but. I, I see all these other teams making these decisions and I'm thinking, why aren't the Rangers doing this? They, they, they made some, some decisions that I'm, you know, that I'm happy with, like hiring Tuomo Rutu for uh, player development. I was going to actually mention that, especially and, when you're talking about fe- fellow Finns or other Europeans that could use some yeah. advice. Uh, Jed Ortmeier is, uh, is focused on the, on the kids in college, like Eric Ciccolini, because he himself went to college. Mm-hmm. So he, and this is what Ciccolini told me. He learned a lot from Jed Ortmeier just, just on what life in college is like as a hockey player. And that's so vital to, to have in your organization. And I'm not saying the Rangers aren't doing it. I just feel they're not doing it enough. You know, do more. That's fair. What I yeah, no, I agree. I would like to see them do something more creative like that down the line. And they should. You know, when you're the, when you're in New York at the end of the day and you have all these creative minds as it is, you can't tell me that they aren't within the Rangers organization. You know, um, I really hope that they go down a route that will help them individually Look, with their players. If, it could make a drastic if your difference. Owner, if your owner can afford to play to pay Brad Richards one million a year until twenty twenty six when he's no when he hasn't been on the team for seven years, I'm pretty sure you have the money to hire some some additional personnel. No, you're you're absolutely right. I, I completely agree. But uh, we hit the nail on the head with all the games. Again, this was a week that I felt that we really could have went longer with. But just for the sake of time and everything, we'll cut it off there. So now when we look at the schedule for the Rangers coming up, uh, this is going to be a very interesting one with them. Still without Igor, we don't know exactly when he is going to return. 
But as of now, Georgiev, the starter, there's some natural concerns there with his performance. And the Rangers are going to be right back in the fire this week. They play the Penguins again on Tuesday in the evening. And then on Thursday and Saturday, they're in Boston, uh, just like that they were for this Pittsburgh matchup again. So tough week ahead for the Rangers. Um, when I'm looking at them, in my personal opinion, the predictions aren't going to be as strong. I don't think that they're going to go 3-0. and I have a feeling that they're going to go one and two this week, barring a Zbanjad emergence where he actually starts to get hot off of that one goal. Um, true, but I'm not sure exactly how much more he's going to bring to this blue line. It almost feels like maybe it's more harm than good. Um, if I look at Gordon going back, and I've said this plenty, and there's two signings that will always stand out to me as of now that I have never been in favor of, at least long term. It didn't take me a long to really change my mind on Truba, was Truba and Brendan Smith. Both those contracts, respectively, I think are probably the biggest moves that Gordon has made that are not really faring the Rangers well and haven't to this point. I know it's early with Trupa still, but again, I've seen more negative than positive in my personal opinion with how his game has adapted. So you have them. I'm going one and two. What's your prediction on these upcoming games for the Rangers? Um, I'm going to go one, one, and one. Of course you are. <laughs> um but what I'm what I'm interested in, I want to see on Thursday what the reaction is going to be when we take the ice against the Bruins. Because um, the last time we played the Bruins, there was the Lemieux fight after the buzzer. Yep. Um, is this team going to rally behind Georgiev? Because it was Georgiev that was um, that Richie Nick Richie landed on, right? Yes, and Nick Richie's a big boy. Like he's probably one of the worst forwards for the for the Bruins to fall on Yuryev. So yeah, it didn't look. And great Nick Ritchie is also is also the one that bumped into Shostakovich's head when he skated through the crease in the previous game. Yep. I wonder what the response will be, and I guess we'll see on Thursday um, if Lemieux is the player Ranger fans think he is, because if he is then he should do something about it. You know, this is what Ranger fans are saying about him. He is there to protect your your players, you know, like like an enforcer back in the day, sort of. So we'll see on Thursday what happens. Yeah, Frederick is a guy that is definitely going to spark some things. Yeah, oh, like don't he's... don't get me started on Trent Frederick. I Trent Frederick should have been suspended for what he pulled uh, against Ovechkin. Oh, I know. I, I know, yeah. Um, I'm not going to justify what Ovechkin did, sparing him in the you know in the groin. That's bad. But if you cross-check Ovechkin two, three times, and he retaliates, and then you dive onto the ice, and your first instinct is to turn around and look at the referee, then no, 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 just just leave leave that stuff in soccer, man. Just that that, that doesn't belong on the rink. I know he he's he's doing everything he can to you know bring the right calls to the Boston. He's a pest. He's very he's awfully similar to Marshawn, but he's actually willing to drop the gloves. That's the difference with him. He's going out there because he knows that this is the easiest way for him to stay in the lineup. No one's denying that. So yeah, but I expect some duels to be happening probably with him more than anyone else in those two games. So we'll see if we're I'm, I'm looking I'm looking forward to Butchnevich and Marshawn playing against each other again. Yeah, no, I am too. I, I don't want to see Butchnevich fight necessarily, but I no, do no, no. I, I'm no, looking, no, but sprinkling a little Lindgren there and you know Ryder, who's who's been using his physicality a little bit more lately. I think it's going to be two fun games against the Bruins. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm looking forward to them. Again, I'm not feeling as optimistic. I hope I'm wrong. And who knows? Maybe we'll find out at some point this week more clarity on Panarin. And when oh, we- and Tuesday's game is at 6, by the way. What's that? Tuesday's game is at 6. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it's an hour earlier. Why. Is it like a special holiday or, or something that the game is that early? Not off the top of my head. Maybe I I'd say maybe there's something going on in Pittsburgh and uh in PNC arena, I believe, but I don't I actually don't think so. Because they don't have basketball right. games there. Uh no, I don't know. Pittsburgh doesn't have an NBA team. No. So yeah. I, I think we really touched on everything. Because they probably have to fix that lottery too. If they What's had that? One. What's that? If they had a, an NBA team in Pittsburgh, they'd have to rig that lottery too. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're not wrong. You really aren't. Yeah, we'll see how long they last with um, Crosby and Malkin and if they actually yep. turn things around this year or not. We talked about that already. But before I let you go, before we get out of here, everybody, let's touch on just real quick. We're talking, you know, within like a couple minutes, do a quick summary on how the Rangers prospects have looked this week, in particular Vitaly Krasov. 
Oh, Kravtsov uh, had a good start to the KHL playoffs, had a goal and two assists in his first two games. Uh, third game, Tractor came out really flat. They lost 4-0. Uh, they're down 2-1. But if they win game four, um, then they go back to uh, back on the road for game five. So I think tomorrow's game is going to be crucial for Tractor's uh, playoff, playoff uh, hopes. Nils Lundqvist hasn't played in a week. Uh, he's not injured or suspended. It's just that his team has not had a game in a week. Mm-hmm. It's been a weird week in the SHL. Um, there were only a handful of games. I think because of all the COVID, postponed, COVID had a lot of games uh, postponed. And they used this week to sort of uh, catch up on, on, the, on the schedule. But uh, he's back tomorrow. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm enjoying every game I can with Nils Lundqvist before he goes over to New York. Um, Payu Niemi's back in the lineup, back from injury, had two assists uh, on Friday, I think. Um, and Levi Altonen um, moved to a different team in uh, in the Finnish league. Yep. Uh, signed a contract until the end of 2023. Um, hopefully, he gets some little bit more playing time because the team he was on uh, added Jeremy Bracco and and the depth just pushed him out of the lineup there. Oh, so Bracco is in Europe. I didn't know what happened there with yeah. him. No, Jeremy yes. Brock was playing in Finland now. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. That well, that's something that we'll have to talk about off 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 air because yeah. Brock's situation um, is interesting. And then North American prospects quickly. Uh, Matthew Robertson played four games so far in the WHL. Uh, Braden Schneider starting this week. And um, Braden Schneider assigned his ELC with the Rangers. I don't know if we touched on that. So ju- that just so everyone knows. Yeah. Uh, Braden Schneider signed his entry level contract. It kicks in on July first for the for next season. Yep. Not slide eligible, so we know it will expire in 2024, regardless of what happens. Um, but um, yeah, he's under contract now, so I expect him to start in Hartford next season. Uh, hopefully, a pairing with him and Robertson that will be a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last prospect I want to touch on, and he really deserves a shout out, is Hunter Skinner. Um, fourth round pick in 2019, not a lot of Ranger fans knew anything about him. Uh, flew under the radar, went to the London Knights at the OHL. Um, and then this season, because the OHL is still uh, postponed, he signed a contract with the Utah, Utah Grizzlies in the ECHL. And he has broken uh, basically every record in the ECHL for teenage defensemen. Wow. Uh, I had to look it up. There's about 127 players who have played in the ECHL in the last 30 years as teenagers. Um, so it, it's not as common for teenagers to play in the ECHL, but um, it, it has happened before. He has eight goals and seven assists uh, in 20 games. Um, as a defenseman. As a defenseman and uh, all time in the ECHL. And this goes back all the way to the 1920s. All time in the ECHL among under 20 players, he ranks seventh in goals Eighth in points, first among defensemen, second first among defensemen in points, second among defensemen. Oh, sorry, first among defensemen in goals, second among defensemen in points. So, in the ninety-year history of the ECHL, there has not been a, a teenage defenseman that puts up more goals in a season, and he's only played twenty games. Wow! So he's been a revelation, and the Utah Grizzlies are happy with him. Uh, not sure when he has to go back to the OHL. But every game with him is just fun to watch. He's he's always he's always out there for the for the opening face off. So they really trust this kid who's only 19 years old. Um, his rights expire this summer, but I expect the Rangers to sign him because our depth on the right side of defense is not is nearly not, as deep on the left side. No, no. Uh, of course, we have our, our three starters in in New York uh, next season with Fox, Truba, and Lundqvist. But behind those three, there's basically only Braden Schneider and. Then it's Brendan Crawley and Darren Radish. So they they really need some uh, some right-handed defenseman under contract. I think they're going to give him a contract this summer. Um, and it would be I mean it would be deserved. He's he's had he's had a good two years since he was drafted. Um, yeah, I just wanted to give him a shout out because I don't think a lot of Ranger fans even know about him, uh, let alone talk about him. So yeah, I know he he's definitely been impressing more than what we initially expected. He was a scratch, was on Team USA's roster this past year in juniors, as we know. Um, so he's got. He won gold. Yeah, he won gold at the World Juniors. Yep. 
Um, so he's a guy definitely to keep an eye on. Uh, could go under the radar. It's easy to get all worked up because the Rangers do have a lot of kind of what you know one way or another star-studded defensive prospects, and this pool's still deep. So keep an eye on Hunter Skinner on that right side. And Hunter Skinner. Hunter Skinner is a great A hockey name. I mean, it's one of the it's one of the best names in the last couple of years, and that I've seen come out of the draft. <laughs> Hunter Skinner, I like it. I do. Well, hopefully, yeah, hopefully he continues to develop. And that his performance in the ECHL is telling of what we can maybe expect on the AHL level as soon as next season. Yep. Awesome. Well, Stephen, thank you again, everyone. Thank you all so much for the chime in today to today's episode of Rangers Review. I hope you enjoyed. Please make sure to smash those buttons as always. If you did, and Stephen, is there anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Um, not really. I'm just looking forward to those Boston games more than the Penguins game, actually. Yeah, I, I am too, because the Rangers have been playing heated against Boston. Um, they had like one blowout game with them, um, not in their favor, but and they had one in their favor. But prior to that, they were very tight, contested games, and I kind of expect that to be the case this upcoming yep. week for the Rangers, as long as the goaltending um, you know, holds up for the most part. So thank you again, everyone. Really appreciate it. And Steven, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.